0: Everybody and welcome back to Sustainability Circle Season Two, Episode Six. I'm your host Shannon Kelly. This episode is being recorded at the CJSF Studios at SFU's Burnaby Campus, which is located on the unceded land of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Today we're going to be learning about beauty and fashion, but any journey had is best with a friend, and she's laughing at me for that intro. Would you like to it's introduce cute. yourself? <laughs>
1: it's cheesy, but it's cute. <laughs> that's my,
0: my name is Natasha.
1: Thing. Your whole thing, cheesy, but cute. Yeah. With some sparkles?
0: With some sparkles. Usually <laughs> I usually have my heart earrings on. I don't, I didn't wear the giant earrings today. I'm sorry.
1: Sorry, next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Natasha, and I'm a student at SFU. And that's, that's it.
0: That's it? You're not going to talk about your prolific career in student government? My
1: prolific career? I'll talk about SUS. I (laughs) love the Science Undergraduate Student Society Mm -hmm. so much that I stayed here for three years.
0: Just to be part of it. Just to be part of it. Just to be the president. Casually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about beauty and fashion. You know, I something I noticed when I was trying to find a guest for this episode is I realized that I don't really know a lot of people who are super into makeup, but um, I know Natasha and I both wear makeup. So Correct. What, what is kind of like, what, what do you, uh, like what is your relationship with beauty and fashion?
1: So it's a short one. Um, I do what I can in <laughs> as few steps as possible. And my, I feel like I've gotten better in since university, but um, my relationship with beauty and fashion... Well, with beauty itself, yeah. Fewest steps, cheapest makeup products, <laughs> and I go to one of two friends to ask which product I should buy, and I buy it from the drugstore. And that's my ma- relationship with makeup.
0: What about with clothes?
1: With clothes? So... I don't like shopping, Mm
0: -hmm. which is even though we have been shopping together (laughs) multiple times,
1: (laughs) multiple times. But I hate shopping, so I just like don't buy clothes. I'll buy like a few clothes and just keep them for three years, and then I'll buy like two things every year. Yeah, someone's someone's gonna hear this and be like, "You're a liar," and it's true. (laughs) It's not two things. It's like whatever. So I'll buy a handful of things. Not going to judge. And those things will like stay in my wardrobe for like five years until like they've got holes or whatever and then I just cut, a- cut them at the hole so that you know, jeans oh, become okay. shorts or like a dress becomes a crop top. Mm-hmm. And then I just keep wearing it.
0: Okay. Well, th- you know what? I think those are gonna end up being really good tips that for the end of this we're gonna appreciate. <laughs> I guess my personal relationship with beauty and fashion. So I, I grew up a dancer, so I was always wearing makeup for dance. Um, But I didn't really start wearing it regularly until university. Um, And even then, I went, like, real hardcore for a while on just, like, (laughs) so much makeup. Natasha met me when I was going through my phase of wearing so much makeup. (laughs) I also had really dark purple hair at the time. Um, I I
1: remember you with green hair.
0: I had, the green hair was after the purple hair. Mm. Yeah, so I had purple hair in, like, a fall semester and then green hair in a spring semester. Okay. Um, but that was when I was going real hardcore with the makeup. Um, but I've, I've relaxed now. I'm, I'm kind of a, like, I, I can get it done in 10 minutes in the morning. Okay. I've been wearing pretty much exactly the same makeup, um, just with, like, lower intensity um, since, like, high school. Like, I, I had, like, my cat eyeliner in high school. And then I just, like, added stuff up until, like, third year of university. And then since then, (laughs) I've been taking away steps. um, As I've realized, I like sleeping in in the morning. Um, And with clothes, I um, tend to be a person, I guess, who wears a lot of clothes at one time.
1: Uh, (laughs) Layers is a good way to describe it.
0: Yeah, I wear a lot of layers, but, like, they're layers that don't always make sense. So, for instance, right now, I'm wearing a plaid shirt over, like, a romper. Like, some overalls.
1: I mean, it looks good together.
0: Thanks. This is one of your more normal outfits. It's really cold at SFU right now, so I uh, regret not wearing pants, but you know, it is what it is. (laughs) I go shopping more than twice a year, but I also have, like, very distinct wardrobes for work and, like, not work, even though I'm always working. (laughs) But now that we know a little bit about what our personal relationships with kind of beauty and fashion are, I want to talk about, so I was at a makeup store um, when I was in Arizona, and it's like a big chain makeup store called Ulta, and they basically sell like drugstore and high-end makeup. And I got in a conversation with the cashiers when I was there about how um, a particular makeup brand had um, lost their cruelty-free designation. And then we were talking a lot about different brands and whether they were cruelty free or not and what that got me thinking about was the fact that like I can't think about any particular brands having designations for sustainability like I I don't know of any brands that that's a
1: really good point
0: yeah I don't know of any brands that like have a mark on their packaging that says that they're like environmentally friendly
1: isn't there like a leaf thing on the, a leaf thing there's like <laughs> I've seen this leaf symbol on the back of some makeup products.
0: Oh. We're going to look this up right now. Leaf
1: symbol on makeup.
0: Because there's, like, so we were talking before this, um, before we started recording, about how, like, Sephora has, like, a clean beauty marker in their stores. And theirs is, like, definitely a leaf that says, like, Sephora or something on it. hmm But... The funny thing is when you see clean makeup, you think like, oh, this is gonna be so great and it's all natural and everything like that. But it's not actually like any indication of like sustainability of the product. So like that product could still be contributing to things like climate change um, or like unsafe work conditions and stuff like that. Um, But it's just that it doesn't have any products that are harmful for you in it. So Mm -hmm. it's not gonna hurt you, (laughs) but there's no guarantee on anybody else. (laughs) I'm also I'm also a little heated about so like these things are called designations right Mm -hmm. I'm a little heated about them (laughs) I just have a lot of opinions on designations but as I was looking into this I found out there were more designations that exist Mm. so there's not necessarily designations for the entire product so like if you're buying a mascara there's not necessarily like a designation that says like oh this mascara is sustainable But like when you look at the ingredients in it, some of the ingredients might have um, designations for being produced sustainably. But one of the biggest ingredients that people talk about usually when we think about sustainability of makeup products is palm oil. So palm oil is obviously an oil product and it comes from a palm tree. It comes from an African palm tree. But it's a fairly common ingredient in makeup.
1: Is that in the makeup itself?
0: It, it is in the makeup itself. So it's oh, like okay. pretty much all makeup has like a mixture of oils and things like that in yeah. it. And they usually use like fairly cheap oils. So unless you're buying something that's like, like if you buy like tart makeup, they're always like on about argan oil being in their products. Mm-hmm. Um, but something like palm oil is just kind of like generic Oil mm-hmm. product, right? It doesn't have any benefits. In fact, like its benefits are that it has no scent. Okay. Um, so it doesn't change anything about the makeup. So they can add scents to it. So, like some makeup, like there's like makeup that smells like chocolate. I have a like eyeshadow palette oh, yes. that smells it's... like peaches. Um, wow. That smells delicious, but it doesn't unfortunately smell when you put it on your eyes anymore. So I
1: love the chocolate one. Is yeah. That, what's it called?
0: isn't it just called the chocolate bar
1: is it no there's another one too it's like
0: there's like a gold one
1: yeah maybe it's the same there's a thing. peanut
0: butter and jelly one.
1: Oh my god where am i living at the drugstore the thing
0: is that i it's <laughs> never been clear to me on whether there's actually peanut oil in them right and like i will not use it unless i know <laughs> because i'm allergic to peanuts. oh no And, like, I just want to know, like, if somebody has used this peanut butter and jelly palette and they're allergic to peanuts and they didn't die, please tell me. (laughs) But, um...
1: That's the call-out from this show.
0: That's the call-out for this show. You know, in the Transit episode, I offered to teach people about linear uh, induction. In this episode, you get to tell me whether there's actually peanuts in this (laughs) particular makeup product. But... The funny thing about palm oil, so it there was this big thing that happened in December, I don't know if you saw it, where there was like this commercial that started going around. And it was going around with the headline, this commercial has been banned. Whoa. In countries. And like, it's been banned from TV. And it was a commercial <laughs> about an orangutan.
1: Oh, that yes. Was, I did see this.
0: Yeah, it was a cartoon and it was swinging around a little girl's bedroom, right? And... What it was is it was an advertisement promoting people to not use products that had palm oil in them. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they use an orangutan is because a lot of where these African palm trees are actually grown isn't in Africa where you would think that they would be growing. It's actually in like the South Pacific and Asia. Oh. And what they end up doing is like tearing down um, rainforests where things like orangutans live. Mm -hmm. Um, So they tear up their habitats and they put in plantations for these African palm oil trees. Mm -hmm. One of the sneaky things about palm oil being in your products is that it's not necessarily listed as palm oil on the ingredients. So like if you pulled up an ingredients list, so like what kind of like what's one makeup product that you use?
1: I use Maybelline's foundation.
0: Maybelline's foundation. So if we pulled up an ingredient list, we probably wouldn't see anywhere in that list, like palm oil or the one that they call it for personal products. So those are like makeup, skincare and stuff like that is palm kernel oil, they call it. Okay. But it's not even listed usually under that name. So it can be listed under names like decal glucoside, laurel glucoside, or even, I was looking at a mascara that I use, so I use the L'Oreal mascara, mm-hmm. and it was listed under just the Latin name of the plant.
1: I'm sorry, the Latin name of the plant? The Latin name. <laughs> Who are these ingredients listed for?
0: I don't know, for, obviously for <laughs> botanists. But it's really interesting, and so there is like a sustainability designation for this. Basically, an article came out like a couple of months ago that said that there was like an investigation into these organizations that were doing sustainability designations for palm oil, and it came out that like <laughs> they're not legit.
1: So, so how do you scam a designation?
0: So palm oil trees grow really tall, right? Okay. Because obviously we've most of us have seen a palm tree before, and
1: wait, is this the same thing? Is
0: <laughs> It's not the same thing. Oh, good. <laughs> but, but like, it's... They grow to the, about the same height. So, okay. So they can be very, very, very tall. They can be, like, 50 feet tall.
1: Okay.
0: Um. But the thing is, the fruit on these trees, which is how they get the oil, is at the top where the leaves are. Mm. And, like, how much would you want to climb one of those trees to try and get the fruit down?
1: Not much. I don't like heights. So... <laughs>
0: But, like, so this is the problem, because when these companies are trying to produce this palm oil, they don't want to have, like, the specialized equipment or, like, the specialized workforce that is involved in going to the tops of these very tall trees to get the fruits down. So what they end up doing is they, like, plant some trees, let them grow for a few years, they get a few harvests out of them, and then they basically clear-cut the area. So they don't give um any time for the environment to like restore itself Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time if you plant trees like that and then let them grow for 10 years you know you're still harvesting the fruit off the trees um but a lot of the natural plants will come back in and fill in the area around the trees um like if you go to like a vineyard in in the okanagan where i'm from between the vines there's like grass and stuff like that that grows in right right and it's just you know it's it's not affecting the plants at all so Mm -hmm. it's fine um but because they're constantly clear-cutting this area none of the um native plant species can grow back in none of the animals are going to start um living in that area anymore and more and more of this land is starting to be used for these palm oil um farms So currently we're using palm oil, but um, I think when we come back from our break, we're going to um, try and learn about some of the other uh, oils that we can use in cosmetic products and see if they are even better than using palm oil or uh, whether we're already using the best thing right now. Photography, gardening, outreach and more. Volunteering with Embark is an opportunity you can't pass up. For more information about volunteer opportunities, check out our website at EmbarkSustainability.org. Why palm oil is preferable to soybean oil? Uh Uh-huh. Um, because soybeans, when they're growing, um, take up a lot of land, Mm -hmm. right? So, if you're going to grow soybeans to produce enough oil, or, like, to produce the same amount of oil as, um, palm trees, you're gonna have twice the area of plants. Okay. Right? And it's just because, like, they're soybeans. They don't grow... (laughs) like up like a tree does right? right they don't have trees that can produce you know 20 fruits on them
1: mm-hmm.
0: right they're smaller plants they're smaller fruit that is being produced um and the other reason i don't like soybean oil is because i'm allergic to soy <laughs> <laughs> which is the recurring theme in this episode is i don't like this thing because i'm allergic to it <laughs> so
1: like a what, the African, African palm tree
0: palm.
1: Yeah, would be, it looks like it's kind of similar to a coconut tree. Am I wrong in that?
0: No, you're not wrong. No, because co- coconuts grow in palm trees. <laughs> They're just a different type of palm tree, right? Because it's oh. like the African palm tree is like a desert palm.
1: I'm here for makeup, not for trees.
0: Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm the plant nerd here yeah um, really
1: palm okay wait palm Af- no not African palm trees a different kind of palm tree Coconut's grows grown coconut.
0: like tropical palm trees the coconut it's it grows on a coconut palm,
1: okay <laughs> see <a> coconut tree <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, so an alternative to palm oil could be coconut oil, yeah, um, and like this article says that Coconut trees, they basically grow anywhere. Mm -hmm. They can grow in, like, any soil. So you're not looking for, like, super rich, um, like, untouched land. Like, you could set it up on a beach. Um, You could set it up. And the trees live for a very long time. Now, I want to know, how tall are the trees? 20 to 60 feet, while tall
1: ones can grow to 98 feet.
0: So coconut palm trees that are apparently called coconut palms um can actually grow taller than um African palm trees which produce palm oil but I'm going to assume that like a big difference between them is going to be the regions that they're growing in Mm. do you think like just because like I would think that areas that like coconut palms would naturally grow people would already be used to like climbing trees as a method of harvest that's true right? Because you're going to be dealing with areas that were already using that... Coconuts. Like, yeah, they were already using coconuts. (laughs) They were were already already using coconut oil in things like cooking and, like, making um, you know, whether they're, like, making dyes or paints or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with the African palm tree, because it's now being grown in, like, South Pacific Asia, that's not where it's from. It's from Africa.
1: So then why wouldn't they just... Keep using coconut trees instead of bringing in these other African trees.
0: It's it's solely because African palm trees are like really cheap oh. to grow, and it's cheap to make the oil. The oil has no scent to it. It has no taste. Um, it's like, like the trees produce a lot of it. Mm-hmm so you're dealing with something that's like basically very very easy to produce although it's like quite taxing because there's like an intense heating process um involved because like like people might not know when you're creating an oil from a plant so like most of the time when we're talking about creating oils we're like thinking about like essential oils from plants so like that's when people talk about like oil of oregano and stuff like that but you go through like a distilling process where you heat them up to a very high temperature Mm -hmm. so that the oils like evaporate out of the plant oh okay right and in this case you're trying to get the oils out of the fruit right um whereas with something like a coconut you actually have to like take the meat on the inside of the coconut like the white parts Mm -hmm. out and take the oil out of that Mm. right um Coconut oil also melts at a much lower temperature. Yeah,
1: you literally can rub it through your fingers.
0: Yeah. So I actually had at one point a mascara that used coconut oil instead of palm oil, and it melted all over my face.
1: No way!
0: What? Yeah, it was actually it was from Maybelline. They had like a line. It was like a mascara, um, an eyeliner, Um, and they were really they were in like. I was a sucker for it. They were in millennial pink packaging. (laughs) And they looked so good. And, of
1: course, coconut oil. Grow your lashes. And they had coconut oil
0: in it. And I was like, this is going to be great. Yeah. This is going to be amazing. And then it was all over my face two hours later.
1: Did they not test it? I think a
0: lot of people seemed like they really liked it. Really? Yeah. And I, I don't know what my problem was.
1: Maybe it was a bad batch.
0: Yeah, I might have to. I don't know if they still sell it. I'll have to revisit it maybe.
1: I was gonna. Oh, the one other thing. Those those like face masks with the little micro beads in them.
0: Oh yeah. That don't break bad. down at all. Yeah, because they're like plastic.
1: Why haven't those stopped?
0: Well, they have pretty much. Pretty much. I I still see like a few products. Well, like out there, Saint but... Ives Peach Scrub. Mhm. Is still available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So micro beads in face washes were, like, a huge topic at one point. Yeah. I remember when I was in, like, it was when I was getting into, like, wanting to use face washes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it must have been in, like, like 2010, 2011 or something like that, um, where people were saying, like, oh, don't use the, um like, face washes with microbeads in them. They're made out of plastic. They never break down. Um, and there was also, like, whitening toothpaste at the time that had, like, beads in them, too.
1: Yeah, everything had
0: Everything had it. beads in it. So. What happened in 2010? Why did everything have beads in it?
1: Everyone was on an exfoliation kick. <laughs> <laughs> and then a year later, they were like, Just Stop.
0: sloughing off the old stuff. Just, just bring tear out the it new off. Stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who needs it?
0: <laughs> but, so there was, like, a huge thing about the microbeads. Um, and, like, the classic one was, like, the St. Ives peach scrub. I definitely had that at one point. I'll admit to that. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Oh no, I I, had tons of body washes. I
0: lived. I lived in a town with a Walmart.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I lived in a town with a field. (laughs) It's okay. Walmart was like two hours away.
0: Yeah, so the context there is that, um, well, I talk about living in a small town. Natasha, <laughs> I'm from a small city. Let's say it that way. Natasha's from, like, I think the, the a technical small term.
1: municipality.
0: But I think the technical term is village. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely, like, this huge thing about the microbeads. And now what's happening is, like, Well, first, people are, like, companies are still on that because there was, like, a face mask that came out a while ago that had, like, glitter in it. And, like, glitter is just plastic also. So it's just, like, instead of... I also love glitter. We just, like... (laughs) I'm very glittery today. Like this, it had glitter in it. And one, glitter is not that great because, like, if you have a face mask, it's just going to scratch your face. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just, like, instead of being plastic balls, it's plastic, like, sheets <laughs> Strix, instead. Yeah. Like, really small plastic sheets. Um, but then there's been face washes that have come out recently. And there's a huge controversy about one in particular from Kylie Jenner's Skincare Ooh. Lion. Mm-hmm. Um, but they use nuts in them instead. So like the shells from nuts as exfoliators, because those things will actually break down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then, you know, people complain about the fact that it'll like scratch your skin and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm Depends not on who you ask. Yeah. I'm not a dermatologist. But Neither
1: is most of the people no, <laughs> reviewing the Yeah, most the of the people
0: reviewing them are not dermatologists. But I would imagine that like the plastic beads would also probably yeah, for sure. scratch your skin, right? Yeah. Um, because I kind of imagine it was, like, it, like, it never felt like a gentle exfoliation using those things.
1: (laughs) I mean, like, I do a sugar scrub every now and then. Yeah. And, like, that's the same thing. It's literally meant to just rub it on. Yeah, but, like,
0: sugar is, like, a really good alternative for that, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. sugar is something that is going to, like, literally disintegrate when it hits, like, a water stream, right? And the, the farm that I used to work at, we would make sugar scrubs, um... That's cute. Or salt scrubs, sorry. We made salt scrubs. Okay. Um, so we use, like, dead sea salts. Because okay. Because they're, like, really large crystals. Um, so they wouldn't, like, um, disintegrate in the oils when they were, like, sitting right. on a shelf or something like that. Um, but there you go. Like, I mean, do your own research on, like, the walnut shells. hmm I'm sure, like, if you don't have sensitive skin, I'm sure it's fine. And also, I'm sure if you're not allergic to walnuts. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's what I've seen. It's <laughs> that like, was
0: that was my main complaint, was just that, like, I didn't want to put, uh, like, <laughs> like, I'm, like, allergic to nuts, and I didn't want to, like, rub them on my face, just in case. Just in case. Um, but, you know, like, salt and sugars are really good alternatives, because they really are something that breaks down super readily. Yeah. Um, and they're things that shouldn't be um, affecting the environment. No, we're going to talk about something where we can get a little bit more positive about cosmetics. Because I'm going to be honest, I am still going to put makeup on tomorrow. I'm still going to put makeup on on Saturday. Um, I definitely just bought, like, a new eyeshadow palette <laughs> recently. Um, while I was doing research for this episode, I purchased that eyeshadow palette online and got it delivered to my front door. Um,
1: Probably in a lot of packaging.
0: It's... Did come in bubble wrap, actually. It was wrapped in bubble wrap in the box. Um, The box is recyclable, obviously, because it was a cardboard box. Um, But I actually heard of, it was, I can't remember what company it was. I think it might have been Lush. Okay. But don't quote me on that. Um, That was sending out products that were, like, breakable, but they were wrapping them in, like, corrugated cardboard. Oh. So, like, the cardboard that has, like, all the, like... It looks like there's, like, two pieces of cardboard with, like, a whole bunch of, like, structure inside of it. Yeah. But they were using that as padding. So it was, like, kind of, like, you could compress it a bit. Okay. So that, like, if it was being jostled around, that kind of, like, dampened the, like, movement of, like, the product inside the box. So that, like, instead of having, um, like, packing peanuts or, like... I know a lot of companies used to do, like, the... um Uh, The, like, paper strands that were, like, that are all crinkled up. I just
1: got a package with a bunch of that, yeah.
0: Yeah, the the crinkled up paper. Um, But, you know, like, using some cardboard like that, at least you can go and recycle it. Yeah. Right? Um, Because, like, a lot of the paper that's crinkled up is just, like, tissue paper and stuff like that. Oh. Which isn't high-quality paper that's, like, really, like, desired in recycling. Like, obviously still recycle it. But something like cardboard is, like, much higher quality and, like, can be recycled more times. Hmm. Um, But with packaging on, uh, like, let's call it personal care products. Because then, like, we can also loop in things like shampoo and body wash and stuff like that. I think most of my products are in plastic containers. Yes,
1: mine too.
0: Yeah, like, my face makeup... Which is like a tinted moisturizer is in a plastic tube my um like bronzer is in a plastic tube my eyebrow pencil is in a plastic tube my eyeliner is in a plastic tube everything's in plastic tubes the
1: only thing that I have glass out of all of my makeup is just my foundation bottle
0: yeah but that's great and maybe
1: my concealer bottle
0: yeah so when we're thinking about makeup packaging because we end up with a lot of plastic, what I like to try to do is just minimize the amount of plastic, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not necessarily saying, oh, you can't buy like foundation anymore, you can't buy um, like an eyebrow pencil anymore. It's saying like, maybe you should look around and see if there's another version of that product, another brand making it maybe, or maybe even the same brand that has different packaging for that. Um, Because if you get something, like your foundation in a glass bottle all of a sudden you have a bottle that can be recycled as glass and glass is a much better product to recycle than plastic because with plastic it's always like breaking down it's not really guaranteed to um, get recycled it might get thrown out at some point in the process if it's not liked Um, or we might have the disaster that happened recently which is like we found out that we had like a whole bunch of plastic that got sent to Asia Wait, that had to be sent back to Canada. What? Did you not hear about this? There was like, no. uh, like shipping containers. So this was like a thing that used to happen, and I'm like hesitant on saying used to because I think it still happens. Probably. Um, but what used to happen was that a lot of countries like Canada, the United States, um, I'm not sure about countries in Europe, but they used to basically like put all of their plastics in like shipping containers. And then just ship them off to Asia. Oof. So they would go to, like, China and stuff like that, and they would basically be burned when they got there.
1: Oof. That's a big oof.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of these countries have passed, um, like, laws now basically saying that they are no longer accepting okay. this these products, right? Which yeah. is, like, reasonable, because they don't want to, like, we don't want them. Why would they want them? Right. Right? Right. Um, so we had a whole bunch of plastics returned in shipping containers to Canada recently. Um, cause these are like, I, I don't know what the origin of them was in Canada. They were definitely Canadian plastics. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure where they were from initially. Um, but yeah, so that's why we want to avoid plastics because we don't want to be sending all of our trash to other countries. Just, you know.
1: Well, it just reminds me of like all of the circuitry and tech stuff that gets sent to yeah. all of these developing countries to get ripped apart into like metal and mm-hmm. yeah, it reminds me a lot of that.
0: Yeah, and you know like, I don't know if
1: that still is as big as it was. A few I years ago. I
0: don't know either, just because like especially when you get into tech companies like um, companies like Apple mm-hmm. and I don't know if Microsoft does the same thing, but they like to get a lot of their tech back, like a lot of their products back because they like to be able to like they'll like buy it back for like. Almost nothing. Um, But they'll usually, like, give you a discount. Like, if you trade in your old phone, they'll, like, give you a discount on a new one. Right. um, Because they want to take apart all of the pieces and use them in building new ones. Yeah, it's definitely something where you want to think about, like, the social sustainability aspect of it, where you want to be making life better for people in other countries and you want to be making life better for people in your own country right yeah. but you want to kind of make sure that other places in the world are able to progress socially yeah. and if all we're doing is like sending them garbage <laughs> like that's not helping them out right yeah. that's something that we have to deal with here yeah so you know limit uses of plastics right yeah And just use alternatives instead. So, you know, liquids you can get in glass bottles usually. Um, I know like Lush sells makeup. Um, They've sold makeup for a really long time that's like all in reusable packaging or all in glass bottles with like um, droppers and things like that in them. Um, And then like something like an eyebrow pencil that you can get in like plastic, you can get them all in like wooden pencils also. Yeah. Right. And wooden pencils are going to, like, wood is going to decompose mm-hmm. um, in, like, wetter environments, or it's just going to break down in, like, really dry environments. It'll dry out and, and break apart. Um, so that's another really good option for makeup products. The other thing is, like, so there's a Canadian brand called Elate. They're, like, a Canadian brand that's, like, a lot about sustainability, but they sell their products without packaging. So uh, all of their products. Not completely all of their products. Oh, okay. So something like a lipstick still comes in a tube. Right. Um, but in that case the tube is made out of bamboo and aluminum. Okay. Yeah. And then something like a face powder mm-hmm. um or like a cream product is sold like you just buy it in like an aluminum pan. And then you buy a wood compact. So when you buy one of the pans then you could put it in the compact. But then when you're finished that product, you recycle the aluminum pan like you would for like an aluminum can for your food. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you still have the compact. So then you just buy a new pan of product. And pans are like the metal, like the really small metal containers. Just the
1: circle of color in your palette. (laughs) Yeah. Which I only use three out of my entire palette anyways.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing. So if you're one of those people who like is really consistent in the colors they use and not like me where I like will literally show up with rainbow eyes, (laughs) um, you know, only buy the colors you need. Don't buy the like 25 color palette if you're not going to use 25 colors, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Like maybe if you use like 20, then get it. Yeah. But if you're going to use just like one or two of them, just see if you can buy them individually so a lot of products are sold in cardboard packaging so the eyeshadow palette i just bought was in cardboard packaging right um so the actual like structure of the palette is cardboard but then it has a mirror in it yeah. and the other thing to watch out for some palettes are cardboard but they end up having plastic forms inside of them and that's yeah. what's actually holding the pans of eyeshadow in so some of them work with magnets too um so magnets magnets so they use magnets to keep the pans right
1: on. to keep the pans down yeah.
0: um so that's something to watch out for because like if you're trying to recycle or something like that you don't want to all of a sudden be throwing magnets into your paper recycling with your because you think it's a cardboard pallet mm-hmm. so like this is my um permission to everybody To rip apart a palette before you throw it in your recycling (laughs) bin. Just like rip it apart and see what's inside, and just make sure that you're not throwing like a plastic pan in your paper recycling or some magnets or something like that. Um, just be aware of what it is you're actually (laughs) talking about. clothes now? So there's
1: been a lot of discussion online about textile production and how taxing it is on the environment. I don't really know the reasons why.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) most of the reasons why is because it takes a lot of water when we're producing clothes, right? Mm. So producing fabrics and things like that, they need to be washed. um, They need to be dyed. Um, Most brands will have like really specific patterns they want. Um, And, like, every time something happens, those textiles, the fabrics, have to be washed again. So Mm -hmm. they use a lot of water, and they use a lot of fresh water. And clothing production doesn't necessarily happen in places around the world where there's, like, an abundance of fresh water. Like, here in Canada, we're really lucky that we pretty much always have water available to us at all times that's reasonably clean. Mm-hmm. I say reasonably clean because I grew up in an area that didn't have clean tap water. Oh,
1: no.
0: um, But we were, like, definitely a minority. And, like, the tap water is good now. Um, we got a new filtration system. So it um, would be
1: much more reasonable to have textile production happening in Canada or in a well-developed country rather mm-hmm. than in an underdeveloped country or a developing country when there's so many textiles being produced.
0: Yeah, it would be reasonable, um, but I don't know if many of us would want to see the cost if they were produced yeah. in in Canada, in a developed country, right? If they were produced somewhere in Europe or somewhere in North America, just because, because of the fact that like we are legally obligated <laughs> to pay people a fair wage, um, it can get more expensive here. To produce things Which is why like it's so odd Like American Apparel was a brand That produced like all of their clothes In the United States Mm -hmm. And like that was A pretty radical idea
1: Mm. When they
0: came out Because like everybody else was At the time basically producing clothes In China right And then they had to move to other countries Because they're kind of like Trying to escape Laws that are being put in About how much people have to be paid, right? Right, and and I'm gonna probably cut this part
1: out. That's
0: fine. Um, China actually ended up doing this thing, so because a lot of the the companies that were um, employing these workers were ending up becoming very rich from all of the business from um, like first world countries. Yeah um and their clothing production what happened is these chinese companies starting started literally building like neighborhoods in like third world countries and they would put people in these neighborhoods and pay them significantly less than they were getting paid to do the work oh wow so that's why now when you look at your clothes they're not made in china they're they're made in countries like Vietnam or like you said, Bangladesh. Yeah. um, Countries that don't have, like, really strict regulations on these things and tend to have communities that are, like, impoverished. Hmm. It's something to think about. Because, like, this is something that I, before I got into sustainability, was very cognizant of. And it was, like, um, ethics behind making clothes. Yeah. So I always kind of had an idea when I went shopping what clothes what stores I would be okay shopping at mm. um so I'll give a for instance and it's forever 21 I don't shop at forever 21 really I mean I I've stopped cuz yeah we've been in forever logos. 21 before <laughs> together and we saw a hoodie that had four armholes <laughs>
1: That was the last day I went to Forever 21. I think
0: that was the last time I was in Forever 21 also. (laughs) Um, And that was like two years ago. Wow, yeah. Um, But a store like Forever 21, most of the time when I've looked up like ethics of how their clothes are produced, um, it's been that the company doesn't want to talk about it. Oh, right. And it's like I am not comfortable buying clothes from a company that doesn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one is like Gap. So, Gap owns Old Navy. They own the Gap stores. They own, um, in the United States, an athletic brand called Athleta.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, And I am iffy about them because they've had some scandals about the manufacturing of their clothes. Mm. Mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, like, there's other stores like H&M who have had, like, fairly good reviews okay. when they've had, like, third par- parties come in and, like, do an audit of, of their workers' health in other countries. But then, um, so then you can say, okay, well, it's fine to shop at H&M, but then you look at it and go, okay, but they're, like, a huge contributor to Fast Fashion.
1: yeah
0: Right? And, like, the stat is that we are buying 60% more clothes and wearing them for half as long as we did 15 years ago. Right, and that's like kind of insane when you think about it.
1: 60% more clothes. Yeah. And 60% more clothes, like as a number, looks like 11 kilograms a year.
0: So 11, yeah, so the average person consumes 11 kilograms of clothing a year. And by consumes, I'm assuming that that is, like, buys. Yeah. Right? And that's, like, huge. And I'm going to be honest. So I think I have, like, a closet. And then half of another closet in my apartment that is specifically for, like, formal dresses. Um, and those are formal dresses that I've acquired over, like, a few years. Right? And it's just because, you know, you go to a semi-formal event... Um, and you buy a dress or like, I still have my semi-formal dress from high school Mm -hmm. because it still fits me. So I'm going to keep wearing, it's covered in sequins. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But still
1: also fits you.
0: It, it does still fit me. Um, I, which means I haven't grown since I (laughs) was a little upsetting. I got taller. Um, but I, I think about the amount of clothes. So I have a dresser, I have a closet and then I have some party dresses when i've been online before i've seen people talk about like how much they're like there was like a buzzfeed video that was like how much my closet is worth right where they like calculate the value of all of the items in their closet and it's like how much they paid for it um because our clothes are worth a lot less than we pay for them um i can promise you that But they would come up with these numbers, and I think they were, like, $3,000 or something like that, right? And they were just doing closets. They weren't doing, like, their dresser drawers, so they weren't talking about things like leggings and, like, jeans and stuff like that. Things that tend to be, like, expensive items Mm -hmm. in our um, clothing. Um, And, like, people I saw in the comments were like, oh, my gosh, just my collection of purses would be like ten thousand (laughs) dollars and it it started this thought in my mind because i was like okay if i assume that they are like shopping at like louis vuitton or something like that right like one of those purses is like a thousand dollars but that means they have 10 of them Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and it just seems like i don't know how many like no i also don't have that many clothes i own one purse yeah
1: And then maybe, like, two nice little clutches. And that's it. And any more than that, I wouldn't know what to do with
0: Yeah. And, like, I've I've been in your room. I know what your closet (laughs) looks like. Like, you don't have a a huge closet.
1: No, I think I have maybe three racks worth of clothes. And then a few bags of just, like, old clothes that I haven't worn in a while. But I keep it around because, you know.
0: You never know. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's just, like, I guess... I always hear statistics like, you know, people buy like 25 pounds of clothes a year and it just, it's, that's the average. It's yeah. And that's the average, right? There are people like, I see people come out of like urban (laughs) planet with like three shopping bags. And the thing is that what happens is like, because they're like particularly low quality clothing because they're, they're fast fashion right? Their purpose is to be fashionable right now. And then you buy new clothes in a few months when the trend changes, Mm -hmm. right? So you're wearing them for a really short period of time. And then what happens after? Like, where do you take your clothes after you're done wearing them when they're like so low quality, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) because, well, some stores won't even, well, not stores, but thrift stores or, like, Value Village won't even take those types of clothing anymore.
0: Yeah, and so one of the things that happened, did you ever watch um, Tidying Up with Marie I Kondo? I love that show. Okay, so when KonMari first became popular, which is, like, the cleaning method that Marie Kondo came up with, or, like, that she, like, detailed in her book. Does it's this like, bring you joy? Yeah, yeah, does this bring you joy, right? Um, but When people started to get a hold of that, and the book came out in, like, 2014 or something like that, or, like, the English version or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, and people started getting, like, crazy about it, and then people started doing, like, I I don't know if you ever saw the videos on YouTube where people would just, like...
1: Well, they would just throw out, like, bags and bags and bags of stuff.
0: Yeah. And they would take them all to the thrift store, right? They would take them all to some place, like, Value Village, where, like, Big Brothers Big Sisters collects it. And then... Like, it's a it's a fundraiser for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So it is, like, a good thing to support mm-hmm. because they sell the clothes to Value Village, who then sell them to consumers. Right. Um, but what happens is because of these trends where people, like, absolutely purge all of their stuff, what happens is that those places get so overrun with clothing, and they end up just throwing it out. Like, and, like, so you're, like, your Forever 21 or your Urban Planet top just ends up in a landfill.
1: Which is so disappointing, especially when you're trying to do a good thing. Yeah. With your old clothes that you're not going to use anymore. Exactly.
0: And that's the thing. Like, you're trying to be so nice and so kind and, like, thinking about the environment. But it's it's basically all for naught. Um, man, I said this part was going to be happier. Um, <laughs> but I guess the thing is that there are options in other places that you can go with your clothing. So, one of the big ones that I am a proponent of is one either looking for a local thrift store. Um so there are a few local thrift stores. There's even like SPCA thrift stores um that you can go and donate items to and they'll sell them and the profits benefit the SPCA. Oh wow. Um there's also, like, local thrift stores here in Vancouver that, like, donate a portion of their proceeds to shelters and stuff like that. And this is the other thing. You can take clothes directly to shelters. So if you have clothes that are, like, in good condition, um, a lot of shelters will readily accept them. Especially, like, women's shelters. If you have, like, old work wear or something like that, or, like, old, um, like, athletic wear, like, things that are kind of, like, staple items for people... Um, they want those. Mm-hmm. And the other the other thing they want is suitcases. So if you've got, like, suitcases at home that you don't want, like, go and donate them to a shelter. Like, call, call a shelter and just ask if they want them um, because those are the kinds of things that people are looking for.
1: Oh, wow. I never would have thought of a suitcase.
0: Yeah, but when you think about it, so if you have somebody in the shelter, so if, say, it's a women's shelter and there's somebody who's, like, um, like escaped a very bad situation, yeah. right, all of a sudden they don't have anything with them mm-hmm. so now if they're getting clothing through donations they don't Where have do anywhere to them? put it yeah right so you need a suitcase um that like when you find a new place to go like you have a way to transport your stuff okay. the other thing is if people do opt to like live on the street and some people do decide to live on the street instead of living in shelters um, sometimes they feel more comfortable doing it um but they still need a way to transport their stuff around yeah right Um, and if you're donating a suitcase, that's a lot better than, you know, having somebody get angry at them because they stole, like, a shopping cart or something Mm. like that. Um, the other thing is consignment stores. So, consignment stores are places that you can go to sell old clothing. Um, and, you know, if you don't want, like, the profits of it, then donate them somewhere, right? Like, find a nice, like, local charity that you're in favor of, or even, like, a national charity, Um, and just, like, even if it's $5, you know, just make a donation. Um, or you can do, Natasha talked about this in the beginning, about what you do with your old clothes.
1: I repurpose them until they cannot be repurposed anymore.
0: So, how long would you say that you end up having clothing items?
1: Honestly, I've still, I still have some, like, shirts and stuff from high school that I haven't worn since grade nine, and that was... I don't want to say 10 years ago. It was 10
0: years ago. We were in grade <laughs> 9 10 years ago. Oh, my
1: gosh. But, Sorry, yeah. It's fine.
0: It's fine. We're, like, we're 23. We're not, <laughs> we're not like, 60. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 10 years ago is a long time. Or not that long of a time.
0: It's, I don't know what I'm
1: trying to say there. When
0: you're 23, 10 years is a long time.
1: Yes. A lot happens in 10 years when you're 23.
0: Well, it's like half our lives, literally. literally. Almost literally.
1: Almost literally. any a reasonable
0: approximation, <laughs> literally. Mm.
1: But yeah, I have some shirts that I had from volunteering at, like, mm-hmm. athletic stuff um, in high school that, like, once I was done, I was like, all right, this is perfect for maybe cutting into a crop top or a tank top for the gym or just sleeping in. Yeah. Um, And then that lasts me until, like, yeah, for, like, five or six years, I'd say, until I get bored of it, and then I just put it away. Or I'll turn it into, like, a rag to use around the house.
0: Yeah, and that's something I do. So I used to use, like, a Swiffer all the time. And I still use one sometimes. Um, But what I've started doing is I have, like, the Swiffer, like, the pole thing, yeah, right? Um, So instead of, like, buying the pads that are... Like they're they're like fibers, but they have plastic in them to keep them like sturdy. Oh. So of course there's something that has to be thrown out. Yep. So I was like, why don't I just tie a t-shirt around this? So I'll just like I have a whole bunch of old t-shirts from student government. Yep. Um and I just I just tie those suckers onto my Swiffer and I <laughs> I spray the floor with just like an all-purpose cleaner and I just mop the floor with An old t-shirt I like it right and it's just like if you can't wear the clothing anymore try to make it into something you can wear so like learn how to sew there's a ton of um groups that get together that do sewing and mending and stuff like that so even if you have like a hole in your shirt I'm a big person for fixing holes in my shirts. Um, I always go to my mom. I'm always like, I always like send her a text message when like a shirt has a hole in it. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mom, can you bring your sewing machine the next time you're here? Uh, Or can I send this to you and you can (laughs) fix like like I'll usually get like a rip in like a seam or something like that. So I'll just like get her to fix it for me. Um, But there's a lot of groups here in Vancouver. So um, there is a campaign called Think Thrice. Okay. Um, And if you go to their website, they have a list of events that you can go to where they are like, they have people there with sewing machines with all of the materials to help you mend your clothing. Um, And it's a really great opportunity to also talk to people and um, learn how to mend your clothing, learn how to repurpose your clothing. Um, so maybe if you're like Natasha and you had a dress and you don't want to wear it as a dress anymore, you want to wear it as a shirt. She's literally wearing a shirt right now that used to be a dress.
1: I like it way better as the shirt, honestly.
0: <laughs> I, like it, I like it as a shirt. That's good. Um, or maybe you want to turn it into a skirt. But, yeah. you know, the people at those workshops can help you out. Um, and you can reduce your clothing waste. Um, the other thing I say, and I'm sure you would second this. Instead of following all of the trends, buy some items that are just what you like, Just you those, know?
1: those few things.
0: Yeah. If you're like me, you'll buy some plaid shirts. <laughs> you'll just wear plaid shirts every day.
1: If you're like me, it'll be one pair of dark jeans and mm. maybe like a colorful tank top.
0: I'm also a dark jeans person. I've got some black jeans. I've got some plaid shirts. That's all you need. I've got... The thing that I change out, instead of changing out my clothing all the time, is my accessories. So I'll change oh, yeah. out things like earrings. Or
1: your hair color.
0: My my <laughs> hair color also changes quite frequently. Um, it is currently a very boring... I guess it's not that boring. It's a very light shade of blonde, um, but it has historically been...
1: Pink? Blue? Green? Pink, yeah, purple?
0: Yeah. Orange? It was orange at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, what other color? It's that's those are the colors.
1: There was like a a really light pink one.
0: There was a really light pink one week ago when I graduated. That too. Yeah. Wasn't
1: there like a peachy
0: pink? There was definitely a peachy pink. Um, there has been a peachy pink a couple of times, and that was separate from the so orange. Black. No, that was the really dark purple. Oh, okay. When the purple... The purple started as, like, a nice, <laughs> great color. <laughs> and it just went to black very quickly. Um, what were we saying right before that? I switch out my accessories. Oh, yes. So, instead of, like... Because, you know, the tides change. Your interests as a person change. Your ideas about what's fashionable change. Um, but I find it's a lot easier to change out something like a necklace or your earrings, your how you do your hair, how you do your makeup, instead of changing what like an clothes entire you're wearing. wardrobe. Yeah, And the other thing is like finding ways to, I guess, keep up with your fashion trends by still wearing the things that you have. So I find it really, like I'll, go through every so often when I'm like not feeling my clothes anymore I'll go through and just like put on random articles of clothing together and sometimes you come up with like really good things to wear yeah and like I'm even still thinking about like somebody who like sometimes has to go to like an office where you have to like dress professionally I say even though I've 100% worn like rainbow pants to (laughs) (laughs) work. Everybody loved my rainbow pants. That's good. I hope people I work with listen to this and...
1: Also, like, send me an email
0: pants. telling me how much they like my rainbow pants. <laughs> Text me. Text me and tell me how much you like my <laughs> pants. pants. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to add? That's it. That's it? Then I think before we get too loopy, because um, we are... We're having a time in this recording studio. <laughs> um... We should we should thank you for joining us this week. Uh, a new episode of Sustainability Circle is out every Monday, so make sure to disc- to subscribe, describe. Make sure to subscribe so they download automatically. Man, we really need to end this right now. Uh, this is a production of Embark Sustainability, which can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Embark Sustain. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, you can email them to podcast at EmbarkSustainability.org. We had a question at the beginning of this, and I can't remember what it was anymore.
1: There was a question?
0: We, we had a call out to people.
1: Oh, oh, oh. I just,
0: as a background information for everybody listening to this, we have been recording for two and a half <laughs> hours. And this isn't going to be a two and a half hour episode. Oh, I need to know. <laughs> Will you know what? You guys heard it much more recently than we did. Just copy um, and paste it. Yeah, I'll just throw it in right now. Like if somebody has used this peanut butter and jelly palette and they're allergic to peanuts and they didn't die, please tell me. <laughs> okay. That was the call to action for this episode. Um, a huge thank you to Natasha for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Would you like anybody to join? You know what? Follow sus on uh, Instagram. Aww. What's the sus Instagram?
1: Our sus Instagram is... Sus S-F-U? Sus. Uh, maybe?
0: I used to I used to be able to control this, and I I got kicked off the account. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, don't put it like
0: that. <laughs> I did. They changed the password.
1: We did. <laughs> we had to. Yep. SAS SFU, we're the SFU Science Undergrad Society. Mm-hmm. We throw a killer frosh every September.
0: Exactly. Volunteer or attend if you are either just going into science from another faculty, starting new at SFU. Um... It's a fun time. Um, I am Shannon Kelly. This is Sustainability Circle, and I will talk to you all next week.